Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Bald Guy podcast with your host, Jeff Brown, and our guest, Brian Eastman. Hi, everybody. This is Jeff Brown, better known as the Bald Guy around the country. Today, we're going to be talking to Brian Eastman, an elite expert on self-directed retirement plans like 401ks and IRAs. How you doing, Brian? Doing great. Doing great. Always good to chat with you. I thought today we'd talk about self-directed Roth IRAs. There are so many misconceptions and so many answers people don't have, mainly in my opinion, because they don't have the questions. So let me dive right in. And we talk about checkbook control of IRAs. Can a checkbook IRA trust be a Roth IRA? Yeah, yeah, we've talked about the the program in the, in the past, and, and again, in addition to taking the IRA and making it self-directed and providing the client with direct control, the IRA itself can be any flavor of IRA at the back end. So we have clients working with traditional IRAs and SEP IRAs and Roth IRAs. Of course, the Roth IRA has just the, the most beautiful tax status and all the advantages you so actively work to educate your clients on, and, and absolutely, that can be done in, in the self-directed format as well. Now, one of the things that I tell people, and I'd like you to just briefly touch on this, Brian, is the difference between having your checking account in an LLC owned by the IRA or the IRA trust. And the reason why I bring that up is because it's basically self-defense in advance against California. Would you address that? Sure, sure. Yeah, and again, the idea is taking the IRA and configuring it to provide what we call checkbook control. The way we do that is have the IRA invest into a legal entity where the IRA can own the entity and the IRA account holder can be the the managing authority, the person with signing authority. In most states, we use an LLC. It's simple, it's clean, it's easy to do business with, uh, and it's not very problematic. California, on the other hand, is an exception where they treat all business entities, LLCs, corporations, whatnot, as businesses, and they have a separate business franchise tax board, and both the tax filing paperwork and the $800 per year that you get to send to the state of California just for the sake of being registered in California, and that would apply to any LLC that has a business nexus in California. So if you have a California investor Uh, setting up an IRA-owned LLC, or if you have an Arizona investor setting up an IRA LLC, if the LLC is conducting investment activities in California, it's going to have a nexus with California and exposure to those taxes. The trust, by comparison, doesn't fall under the purview of the California Franchise Tax Board. So it's a better, simpler vehicle. It, It achieves the exact same goal from a practical standpoint. It's just a different way of getting there that uh, eliminates the the burdens of a California-registered LLC. Appreciate that. Perfect. Moving on, can you convert an existing traditional IRA or 401k to to Roth status? Absolutely. Something that involves some, some strategy and some thinking and some planning. The act of converting is a taxable event. You know, with a traditional IRA or, or most conventional 401k programs, you've got what's called tax-deferred money. Taxes haven't been paid on that money when it was earned in the year it was earned. It was set aside into the plan. The earnings that have accumulated within the plan have also not been taxed. They'll be taxed on the way out in retirement when the, when the uh, account holder goes to take distributions. You can choose to convert from that tax-deferred status to Roth status at any time, 
when you do so, the value that's converted uh, is viewed as taxable income in that year. But then going forward, that value that you've now paid taxes on uh, and any growth that are accum is accumulated based on investing that, that basis is now tax-free. Now, there's some rules, some five-year waiting periods before you can start taking some distributions, some, some details there. But that, the basic concept is, is that you can take a chunk of tax-deferred money, pay the taxes on it now to take it and now use it as tax-free money going forward. And that the more time you have, and the better the rate of return on your money, the greater the value of that, that upfront cost for creating a larger value of after uh, gains in the tax-free sense. Exactly. Somebody who's 39 and has a lot to convert, they have 20 years to, to make that happen. They don't have to do it tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, and you could, you could do so incrementally. So you might look and say, hey, this year, the way my tax return is going, I could convert $30,000 and not throw myself into a much higher tax bracket. Whereas if I wouldn't had and did 50 or 70, now I'm jumping a tax bracket or two and the negative impact of doing that offsets the, the gain. So maybe I'll do a, a smaller amount incrementally over a couple of year period to, to get to that Roth status. Now, if I have a self-directed traditional IRA, can I convert it to a Roth in place? You can. Uh, the, the one caveat is that with our structure, this, this IRA-owned trust, one IRA owns the trust, and, and we need to have that one-to-one -one linkage. So if you had an existing checkbook IRA trust, you would need to convert the entire value of the trust in one year. Now, the, there's a workaround to that, which, depending on what you're doing and your goals and your timelines, can, can you know be sometimes simpler, sometimes less simple, but you could keep an existing traditional IRA trust in place, take a chunk out of that, convert it, create a new self-directed Roth, and repeat that process over a couple of years, moving from the one vehicle to the other. But you, you, what we can't have is we can't have a single trust that's partially owned by a traditional IRA and partially owned by a Roth IRA. And we work with clients on, on both of those strategies, either an all-in-one or an incremental over time. More commonly, you know, it's nicest to do the conversion when you're in cash. Cash is very easy to value and it's very easy to prove to the IRS, hey, this is exactly what I'm converting. Typically, we're doing a lot of those conversions on the way into uh, a program, but, but certainly it, it can be done on a program in place, even a program that's holding non-traditional assets such as notes or, or funds or things like that. Now, when we talk about conversions for, uh, from traditional to Roth, a lot of time we hear the phrase assets can be converted in kind. What does that even mean? Well, that's sort of that very last thing that I tailed into the, the, the last sentence there, which is when you're converting, you're either converting cash or you're converting some other asset that's held in the account. Well, when you're in the, in the stock market, you know, you probably have in an IRA account, you might have some cash, you might have some shares of Apple, you might have some mutual funds, whatever. Well, those are all easily valued assets. If you went to, say, you had an account with E-Trade and you said, I want to convert my $50,000 traditional IRA to a, a Roth IRA, they'd go look and they'd say, well, this is what you're holding. You've got some cash. You've got some Apple. You've got this mutual fund. We're going to take all of that. We're going to set a value on it. That becomes the taxable event that's being converted. And then we're going to switch it all. And, and now you've got a Roth IRA that holds the same cash, the same shares of Apple, and the same mutual fund. You can do the same thing with non-traditional assets, such as, say, a note. And just the note has to be valued 
notes are very easy to value. The open unpaid balance on the note uh, is typically the value that you would use. Uh, and then you just take that note and say, well, this $50,000 outstanding note is going to be transferred from the traditional status to the Roth status. The note itself probably doesn't get changed if you're just, because really what the IRA owns is the trust. So the trust would get redocumented to show that instead of a traditional IRA owning it, a Roth IRA owns it, the underlying investment asset uh, is an asset of the trust and it doesn't have to be changed or updated in any fashion, but it's the value of that underlying asset that's being being converted and, and, and generates the taxable event. So it's a lot simpler than it sounds. Yeah, I probably made that sound a lot more complicated than it is, yes. But yeah, basically, you set a value, you convert the value. The value can be either cash or some investment that's in place. Maybe that's a simpler simpler way to put that. Well, that's why we have you, Brian. <laughs> I have clients, uh, business owners, independent contractors. A lot of them are, you know, salesmen for, for big big firms. They travel a lot and their commission, 1099 income. And so they've, they've instituted the solo 401k, which they're eligible mm-hmm. for. I have to tell them, though, that by the year they turn 70 and a half, they need to move everything out of the solo into a self-directed Roth IRA. So their funds in the solo better be Roth at that point, which they plan for. But I've always thought, and I would love to hear your, your editorial opinion on this, that the best thing about a self-directed Roth IRA is that they're the only entity I know of in, re, in re qualified retirement plans that are not subject to required minimum distributions at 70 and a half. That's exactly the case. A Roth IRA is not actually technically speaking if you had a Roth component in somebody else's 401k, you work for a big company and you didn't have ownership and control of the company, uh, you could still work beyond 70 and a half uh, and continue to make contributions. And no, 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 yeah, you still have to take the distribution. No, I'm sorry, I misspoke there. You can still make contributions though. But yeah, a, a Roth IRA is the only vehicle that is not subject to required distributions at age 70 and a half. A Roth 401k is a traditional IRA or traditional 401k is. Uh, so, yeah, if, if you're looking at just continuing to, to, to mushroom that money, if you don't need it to take distributions uh, to support yourself, you don't have to. Of course, you always can uh, at any time after age 59 and a half. Uh, but, yeah, at 70 and a half, you're not required to take distribution from a Roth IRA. Now, would you give the Reader's Digest version of the damage that being subject to RMD causes? Well, it just means that you then have to start draining the account. And depending on how the account is invested and what the liquidity is, it may or may not be a problem. You know, it's all going to be situational for the person. But if you're really not needing this retirement money and wanting to to maximize the tax sheltering value, having it in a Roth, which is A, tax-free if you choose to take distributions, but B, not required to take distributions, which allows you to leave more money in there and continue to invest it, well, that's an advantage. Uh, If you have a traditional IRA and you hit 70 and a half, you have to start pulling money out. That means that, A, you've got to create the liquidity to meet those distribution requirements. It's typically not a huge amount. I mean, if you can generate 5% return, you don't need to start selling off principal until you're in your mid-80s. 
you know, it's not going to be an immediate, oh my gosh, I own this note, I've got to sell it off and create cash and, and, and use that cash to take distributions. You can still continue to invest with the plan, but you're forced to take money out. You're forced to start paying taxes on that money, and the Roth IRA is going to insulate you from that. And what I tell people is when when they have a self-directed Roth IRA in retirement and it's invested directly or indirectly, say, into an investment group for discounted notes, they keep getting minor pay raises as notes randomly pay off. And meanwhile, the base capital amount keeps growing without being forced to distribute. And that mm-hmm. that right there, you just you can't beat that. Yeah. Exactly. And just draw off the income that it's producing. Well, hey, you've created a a tax-free annuity for life. I mean, what's better than that? Especially when it's uh, yielding double-digit annual returns, right? Sure. You've done it again. Knocked it right out of the park, Brian. Thank you so much. Certainly. Certainly. Always a pleasure to chat and look forward to whatever we're going to chat about next time. Listeners, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. You have a good one. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Bald Guy Podcast with Jeff Brown and our guest, Brian Eastman.